0: Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, that was sweet worship. Um, today's a big day in the church. It's a day where we mark the growth of the church by ordaining three good men to be deacons of the church. And I know Carrie, Pastor Kerry has taught about the role of elders and the role of deacons, uh, primarily out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to be looking at uh, uh, some of 1 Timothy chapter 4 and then Hebrews 13. But I thought I'd start in dovetailing off of what Kerry was saying uh, earlier about the coronavirus. Um, I was in Romania quite a few years ago. Are the good doctors here from Romania? Okay, you'll, you may appreciate this. I was in a teaching uh, trip in Romania quite a few years ago now, uh, where I, I, could, I taught at some churches in uh, Timisoara. And then uh, uh, I was sent to a small church, a very small church, uh, in a very small town in Romania. The people everywhere I was in Romania were gracious and kind and warm and wonderful. Um, And I went to this church, this very small, small community church uh, in a small town, and um, was seated at the front of the church. In their tradition, the pastor sits in the front in a nice chair, and then I was sitting next to him, and to the left of me was another leader in the church, and I was sitting there enjoying the worship and getting ready uh, to speak. And I felt this nudge on my elbow, and it was the pastor and normally when a man has that situation, he might lean over like this to hear what the person has to say. But I'm, I turned directly to him like this and his face was literally this close to mine, which was deeply uncomfortable uh, man-to-man, face-to-face like that, that close. And he said to me, he said, I am so sick. I have the flu. And I could feel the spit on my face. And he's, he's describing to me how he's been throwing up. and I, This is like... Two minutes before I'm about to speak, and I thought, I'm just dead. I am so dead. I am just dead. I am going to be so sick. I don't know what Romanian flu offered me, but um, it was at the tail end of my trip, and uh, I was watching him later. He was shaking everybody's hands and sneezing and shaking people's hands. I have no idea what he didn't learn about spreading illnesses like the flu, but I got on the plane, and I was sick for literally six weeks. I developed severe bronchitis, and in severe bronchitis, you feel like you're going to die. Um, uh, but I was so, so sick, and I'll never forget that, man, and uh, the, the, the gift of sharing, you know. Um, and in a funny way, I don't mean to make light of the flu or a coronavirus, but, but you know, and Jesus uh, said in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22, uh, the verse says that he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit he breathed on the disciples. Now we know the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. That was a pledge from him that they will receive the Holy Spirit. But the scripture says he breathed on them. And the the image is something like catching something. They were to catch something. And as we listen and watch the news about the coronavirus, I'd like to turn the picture of the illness of the coronavirus or the flu into something positive. Because that would is what leaders are supposed to do in the local church. They're supposed to do a life that people catch. And I know from listening to Pastor Kerry's teaching on elders and deacons, and in reading, of course, 1 Timothy 3, we know the difference between the two primarily is the apt to teach or the ability to teach peace. But the other qualifications are pretty much exactly the same for elders and deacons. Deacons live in such a way that you catch the life of the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to catch it less about what they say and more about what they do. But we're going to look first at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Before we do that, let's open in prayer. Father, it's a day of celebration and joy for this local expression of your church. Vanguard Bible Church. You are the head of the church. This is your church. This is your work. I pray, Lord, that um, on this day we would truly celebrate the marking of advancement and maturity and growth in the church. I pray that you would be pleased with what we say and the convictions of our heart. I pray they are rooted in the scriptures Lord, we seek to honor you this day. I pray that you would guard my mouth. Ensure, Lord, that what I say is rightly divided from your word. And Lord, if there is something I say that's wrong, I pray that you would wash it away from the minds and the hearts of these precious ones. And Lord, let remain what is right and what is good and what is pleasing to you, I ask. In the great name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, amen. 1 Timothy chapter... 4. You know that 1 Timothy uh, 3 talks about the qualifications for elders and then the qualifications for deacons. Uh, and in 1 Timothy 3, verse 14, he, gives him, he, he says why he's, he's writing these things. He, Paul wants to come to Timothy soon, he says in verse 14, but he says, I'm writing these things to you so that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church. Of the living God a pillar and buttress of truth it's not just that he is saying here's what elders are supposed to act like here's what they're supposed to be like and this is what deacons are supposed to act like and be like there's a purpose to their work as Kerry pointed out in his sermons about these matters there are purposes there are roles there are jobs these individuals are supposed to do And so he's writing to talk about how one ought to behave in the household of God, how we ought to behave together. And then in in chapter 4, he launches into dealing with false doctrine, with legalism and restrictions on freedom and all kinds of problems that are going to be coming in the last days, which we are in right now. But look what he says in uh, verse 6. Above above verse 6, you probably have a heading uh, that's called something like A Good Servant of Christ Jesus. Do you have that? You know, that's not inspired, right? That's just some person who wrote that there as a heading to help us know what's coming. I crossed that out in my Bible. That's okay. And I wrote instructions for elders and deacons. This is how they're supposed to behave. This is what they're supposed to do. And he says in verse 6, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. If deacons in this church, in Vanguard Bible Church, and if Pastor Carey as an elder, if they put the things that Paul has been talking about uh, before you, brothers and sisters, they are going to be good servants of Christ Jesus. And so you'll know when they're good servants based upon what they say and do. Verse 7. In the last sentence of verse 7, he says, Train yourselves yourself, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. You see, the role of elder and deacon is not just so you can have the position and you can say, here, I'm in charge of this, I'm responsible for that, and here's the list of my duties. It is a spiritual exercise. When the deacons oversee uh, the facility and the finances and the ordinances of the church, they're not just doing an exercise like a businessman would exercise in the secular world. And that's an honorable work. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. But in the church, the foundation of the work of elders and deacons is spiritual. It's all spiritual. It doesn't matter if they're talking about the finances of the church or how to deal with the facilities or the the, ordinances of the church. They are fundamentally rooted in understanding that they are to be godly. And it takes work. They're not here To learn how to be godly. They're not in that role to learn how to be godly. They have to rigorously grab godliness and hold on to it and work at it. Train yourself for godliness. Bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way. And in verse 10, he says, For to this end we toil and strive. To what end is he talking about? To this end of godliness. It's a striving, it's toiling and striving. Some early uh, manuscripts also added the the sense that they toil and strive and suffer reproach for that toiling and striving in their work. Suffering reproach and rejection from the world because of their toiling and striving. You see, all the work in the church requires toil and striving. Why? Because we're counter the world. Everything we do here at Vanguard You're countering the world, and as the world becomes more and more secular and contrary to Christ, it becomes more and more difficult, requiring more and more toiling and striving and perhaps suffering reproach in the work. To this end, we toil and strive. Why? Because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Why do we toil and strive as deacons or as elders or as small group leaders or whatever your life is about here in the church because we have our hopes set on the living God. The living God, who observes what we're doing here right now, who hears what I'm saying and observes the content of your heart and the, uh, the condition of your heart and mine. We have our hopes set on that God. You see, that's the purpose ultimately of a deacon or an elder, is to help people to understand and to grow in their commitment to fulfill the great calling of each individual, the great commandment from Matthew 22, which is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So it's more than simply overseeing facilities, finances, and the ordinances of the church. It's a church. It's a spiritual exercise where you toil and you strive for godliness. Otherwise, the church becomes nothing more than a business. And that's not the idea. It's the Lord's church is his bride it's precious to him. So we have our hope set on the living God. And as the church observes their, their deacons and their elders, they observe them. They, uh, deacons more, uh, uh, they observe the deacons' lives and hear what they say. It's, a, it's a, a commitment that is caught in the congregation of believers. And it's caught from those who are unbelievers as well. They get a sense of it. Now look at verse 11, where Paul continues. And remember, he's talking about how you're to live in the, in the Church of Christ. Talked about the qualifications of elders and deacons. This is because I'm writing to you about the, what you're supposed to do in the church, and here's a description of what it looks like, specifically addressing the leaders of the church, the toiling, the striving. And he says in verse 11, Command and teach these things. Command, not a suggestion, but an instruction. Command and teach these things about godliness. Verse 12, be an example in speech. This is for deacons and elders. There to be examples in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Do you see how high the standard is? The the standard is really, really high. Not to scare anyone. God would not have put you in this position had you not had the convictions to exercise it properly. But it's not to be taken lightly. And the role of deacon is extraordinarily important in the Lord's economy. Set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. That's a big list. Devote yourself. Look at verse um, 15. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. So a deacon goes into a meeting. And by the way, these men devote hours and hours to the church and their wives with them in many ways because they live with these men and there are certain qualifications for deacons' wives that are described here. So it's a a commitment both of the deacon and the deacon's wife. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. For what purpose? So that all may see your progress and say, you know what? That's a great thing. I really am blessed to see what that man and his wife are offering this church. And so therefore, the idea is that you'll be more inclined in your heart to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, the great commandment. That's the purpose. It's more than a job. It's a commitment of life. Devote yourself. Practice. Devote. Practice. Command and teach. Train yourself. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Why would you have to keep a close watch on yourself? To see if you're fading, to see if you 're flailing, to see if your progress has been stunted. The presumption is very dangerous to say, "Well I've now arrived, I'm now a deacon or I'm now an elder, or I'm now a, a small group leader, or I now have this responsibility, and therefore I have arrived." That's not the case. Christ says, "No, you're here, I want you here. now I want you here. Now I want you here it's. It's a pushing, a loving pushing and a loving persistence that he has in mind for us that we may honor and glorify him in greater and greater ways. So you keep a close watch on yourself. Don't be presumptive. (coughs) The deacon or elder is not to be presumptive that he has arrived. As Paul said in in, uh, his epistle, not that I have already arrived. he, He was very humble. The great Paul was very humble, but he strived, he pressed on that he might reach the crown for Christ, practicing devotion so that all may see your your progress and keeping a close watch on yourselves and on the teaching. And there's this call for in later verse here, verse um, uh, 16. Persist in this, for so, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. You see, persisting is an interesting word. Persisting implies pretty directly, actually, that there's resistance, because you don't persist unless there's resistance. Uh, and so you can't be persisting unless you're overcoming something that is resisting, right? You can't persist unless you have to overcome a resistance. The resistance is from the world, the flesh, and the devil. The, the temptation to get lazy or presumptive. Keep me from presumptuous sins, David wrote, asking the Lord to keep him. The great man David asked the Lord to keep him from presumptuous sins. I'm, I'm arrived now. I have this position. It's not the case, What you have is an opportunity to serve the Lord in a deeper way. So you persist and you overcome the resistance of your own heart and your flesh, the resistance from the world and the resistance from the evil one who would destroy you. You'll be an example to the flock. And Christ is pleased with that. So that's 1 Timothy 4. So what does a a deacon get out of it? Or what does an elder get out of it? You don't need to turn here, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 gives us some picture, a little bit of a picture of what they get out of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. Paul says, We ask you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Oh, wow, what a cool job. What a cool job. The brothers and sisters in the church are to respect or appreciate, (coughs) pardon me, to respect or appreciate those who labor among them and are over you in the Lord and admonish you or warn you or help you live this Christian life. You are to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And he says, be at peace among yourselves. Obviously, he's saying that because the temptation is not to be at peace among yourselves. Um, I don't like the way the, the worship center looks. I don't like the way this is going on. I don't like the way that is going on. A connoisseur of the church who isn't so much interested in serving in the church, but isn't so much, is so much more interested in consuming the church. It's a very bad plan, it's a very bad habit. They are to be esteemed, they are to be respected. And they are to earn that esteem and respect. You earn it by living it. It's caught more than taught from deacons. Well, let's look also at uh, Hebrews chapter 13. The first verse I want to just take a look, look at lightly is in uh, 13, 7, Hebrews 13.7, where the writer of Hebrews urges the people to remember your leaders and those who spoke the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Deacons are, are being watched and people are urged to look at how these men and their wives are living and imitate what's good. Imitate what, what is good. As Paul said uh, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Follow me as I follow Christ, or imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's true of deacons and elders. And you look at verse 17, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders. Obey? Let me ask you something. For the person who loves Christ, how hard would it be to obey Christ? Christ says, I want you to do this. And the person who's listening loves him and follows him. Would that be something the person would say, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. I don't care what you say, Jesus. I'm not doing that. Well, that's evidence of lack of love, perhaps lack of faith. But as the elders and deacons follow Christ, you are to follow them and obey them. That doesn't mean you don't look at what they're doing or think about what they're doing. It just means that you have a presumption of goodness in them to lead the church well, to serve the church well. You still examine what's happening, and you think about what's happening, you pray about what's happening, but you assume the best. And you seek to obey them, to cooperate with them because of their work. You are to esteem them and respect them, as First Thessalonians 5 said, and submit yourselves to them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. That is countercultural. I don't even have to explain that. You know how that goes. Why would I want to obey the leader and submit to that person or them? Well, the writer of Hebrews answers it right here. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. The leaders of this church, as leaders in every church, should know that they will give an account to the Lord about uh, about their work. He will review their work. And that's a lot scarier than having you review my work or any of you reviewing the work of any of the deacons or Pastor Kerry. And that keeps the church on the right path. is when the deacon and the elder keep in mind that their work is going to be reviewed and is actually being reviewed every moment by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, Colossians 1.18, and the church is his bride. He loves the church, and he gave himself up for her. And so when a deacon or an elder treats the church casually or treats the church like a business, that is a very offensive thing. They will have to give an account for their work, and so you don't have to worry so much about it. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I like the NASB. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the NASB translation which says let let's uh, let them do this with joy and not with grief there are some days where the work of eldering and deaconing is a causes grief and sadness to these men and their wives because it's hard and they have a lot of things to do in life but they've devoted themselves to this work and they've devoted themselves to Christ and are persisting and living a life or trying to live a life that is godly in the presence of all. But you know, the church can do a, lo- a lot of things to make it a joyous work, and you can do a lot of things to make it grievous or to have them do it with groaning. Oh, I have to face that person again. Or, oh my goodness, Lord, how am I going to do that? This person is really hurting us. Or these, these attitudes that are spreading in the church, this gossip or this complaining or whatever it might be, is really hurting our church. You see, that's that's an evil thing. So I want to get into some real practical elements of how to bring joy to the deacons and the other leaders of the church. And then on on the flip side, (coughs) excuse me, on the flip side, how to bring grief to the church. Not that you'd want to do that, but you know, sometimes you bring grief to someone you don't even know you're doing it. So I'd like you to remember this day so that you can see what you're doing and try to examine to see what you are contributing to the local church. So how to, let's start with the grief part. How to bring grief or groaning into the lives and hearts of the deacons and the other leaders? Uh, complain and criticize and fight. Just complain about everything and criticize everything as a connoisseur of the church as opposed to a person who's trying to contribute to the church and participate in the church. Just complain and criticize from afar or even within. That'll bring grief to the church. And you know what? You need to know and remember that it not only brings grief to the leaders of the church, to the deacons, it brings grief to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a price to pay for that in your spiritual walk. There's a price to be paid for that. Complain, criticize, and fight with people in the church. Complain about the bride of Christ. Criticize the bride of Christ. Fight with each other within the bride of Christ. Refuse to listen. Just refuse. I'm not going to do that. Rebellious, ignorant, or discouraged. If people are refusing to listen, they're ordinarily rebellious or discouraged or ignorant. They don't know, or they just know and they don't want to do it. Or they're discouraged. They've tried that and it doesn't seem to work. Refuse them. Refuse to listen to God's word and refuse to cooperate with the deacons in their work. Don't serve, cause grief to the Lord and grief to the church. Don't serve the church, consume the church, consume everything the church offers. Just eat it up, and do not serve out of your gifting as the Lord would have you to serve. Assume the worst. No, oh, this is a painful list. Assume the worst. Philippians 4.18, you know, whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever whatever is of good report, let your mind dwell upon these things. And by the way, I don't mean that you're supposed to be automatons. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you are to assume the best and observe their lives and see how the church is doing and participate in healthy ways in the growth and the strength of the Lord's church. Demand to know every detail about everything. Just demand it. And so the question then becomes, why would this person demand to know every detail of every specific item in the church? Now, there's been some damage in Christendom, in evangelicalism, I believe, in our country, because we've seen some large church, mega church pastors fall because of various problems, among them being financial problems, misuse of funds, abuse that is horrific and a shame to the church. And so, um, as Paul wrote in Romans The Gentiles blaspheme because of your behavior. That's a frightening thought. May it never be said about any of us. The Gentiles blaspheme the Lord because of my behavior. It's a frightening thing. Think of what you want and you fight for it. I'm going to fight for it. I want this in the church. Excuse me. And if I don't get it, I'm going to be very unhappy. I'm going to complain. I'm going to fight for it. Scowl. In every context. Just make faces. <laughs> it's, it's really distracting. I remember there was, um, I mean, just to illustrate this a little bit, it's a very distracting. Just so you're aware. You may not be aware. But when a person scowls at the church, like if I'm talking to you now and I see it, I'm not going to look at anybody. Nobody's scowling at me. But when you look out there and you see someone going, or, oh, you know, it, your, your second mind goes, why is that person so miserable? Am I, am I speaking badly? And so your second mind, you're asking yourselves these, yourself these questions while you're trying to speak God's word to people. And so it's not a blessing. It's it's a real hurtful thing to the leadership of the church, to the persons who are trying to teach the scriptures. So you scowl and you love. How about another one? You love the world and its ways. You just love the world and its ways. You're being discipled by the world not speaking to anyone in particular in this room right now, but be careful that you're not being discipled by the world so that the world says, here's what a disciple looks like. A disciple of Christ is supposed to look like this. What does the world know about what the disciple of Christ is supposed to look like? The scriptures tell us what a disciple looks like and those entrusted with teaching the scriptures are entrusted to teach us what the disciple of Christ looks like. Be discipled by the scriptures. Be discipled by the church. Don't be discipled by the world. And don't dismiss this too quickly, folks. Because oftentimes I believe that we are discipled in the world's ways and the world's thinking by our entertainment, by our entertainment, by what is taught at the universities, by our politicians, by all manner of things that are not of Christ. Be careful who's discipling you. (coughs) Love the world and its ways and be discipled by the world rather than discipled by Christ and his church and his word. Let's turn over to the happier side, how to bring joy. Save yourself some pain. Spare yourself some pain. Listen to what your leaders are telling you. Listen to the deacons when they describe to you the budget of the church or how the church's resources that you entrust to them are being spent and invested. I like the term invested because it's investing in the kingdom. Seek to learn how to live the Christian life. Be discipled in the church. Seek to live well so that you may love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Be faithful to the church. Be available and be teachable. Be available, be teachable, be faithful to the Lord's church. Commit to the church to serve in it, because that is a blessing for you. Let them do this with joy. Again, Hebrews 13, 17. Let them do this work with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I'm speaking of how to benefit yourself. You can even think selfishly about this if you like. How do I want to grow? What do I want to do to make myself happy or satisfied or contented in this Christian life? Listen to what the elders and deacons are saying to you. Seek to learn and grow. Be faithful, be available, and be teachable. Forgive one another and be gracious to one another. Love the Lord first. We love the Lord first. And we worship the Lord. We do not worship the church. If, you're, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know the principle. The church will hurt eventually. The church, people will do things in the church that are hurtful and are disappointing. People will disappoint you. That's true. But we worship the Lord who never disappoints. We don't worship the church. And so that means you can go on and focus on what Christ is teaching you in your pain or your disappointment. You love the Lord first and then love your leaders after, your deacons. Be a source of peace and forgiveness. Go ahead, ask questions of deacons. (coughs) Ask questions, make comments, but be a source of peace. Uh, uh, Don't assume the worst and then act upon it as though someone's stealing something from you. I I've been reading uh, some posts of different people. Uh, I, I alluded earlier about the, uh, uh, the loss of, of some prominent preachers, famous preachers, and how they have fallen. And some of that problem is because of their abuse of the funds given by the people of the church. And I I've read comments from people that said, you know, this just goes to show that we've got to watch every nickel and dime and we have to make sure all of this money is spent properly according. What's that person saying? It's according to what I say. It's according to what I say. It's not in cooperation with good deacons. It's in cooperation with what I say. I don't want that man making any more than I make in salary. I don't want that person, you know, that's not the role of the people of the church. The people of the church are to engage in mutual ministry, to care for one another. They don't all have the same role. So don't do that. They will explain what they need to explain. Assume the best about them and respect them for their work. Be careful what you say to a deacon. Don't just treat the deacon like some, uh, I'm not quite sure what the adjective would be, but uh, treat that deacon with respect because they do devote themselves and their wives devote themselves to the work and life of the church in a very significant way. And they do not get paid. They do this if rightly done. They're doing it because they love the Lord. They love his church and they love you. It's a big job. It's a large job. And again, the only difference between a deacon and an elder and an elder is the apt to teach peace. Well, the deacons are not perhaps gifted to stand and teach a group of people and perhaps aren't as gifted to even go one-on-one to open the scriptures and explain good doctrine or bad doctrine to a person. Everything else is the same, pretty much the same. The character requirements, the life requirements. The standard is high and the work is difficult. So be a blessing to these men and their wives. I want to say something specific to the the men and their wives who are going to be serving in this way. It is a great job because good people will respect you and will love you because of your work. But do not take your eyes off of Christ. Do not take your eyes off of Christ. When you're criticized, when people disappoint, the Lord Christ never disappoints. You may be unhappy in a couple of weeks or a month, even a season of life, but he always brings you out and teaches you what he wants you to know, and you'll be better for it. I heard one wise man say, I would never go through that thing again in my life. I would never go through that again. But I would never give up what the Lord taught me in those difficult days. The Puritans used to have a, a, a saying about being in the dark night of the soul. A dark night of the soul but as you're faithful to him and as you allow him to teach you and you endure the dark night of the soul he brings you up and you become stronger and better as a result so love Christ with all your heart mind soul and strength and do not give up sometimes I think about uh, the difficulty of being an elder or a deacon and uh, one of the problems is that you become a target uh, Satan says, oh, that guy's a deacon, huh? Well, that guy's an elder. I'll, I'll show you. See, if you fall, you do something spiritually foolish, something wicked, these people are affected by that. They're hurt because of that. In Luke 22, uh, 31 to 34, uh, Jesus was talking to Peter, who boastfully said, you know, I'm able to go to death with you, and I'll fight with you, and I'll do it all, and Jesus says, oh yeah, really? Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that when you have turned, you will strengthen your brothers. It's a very sobering account. Blustering Peter, don't be like that, obviously. Blustering proud Peter, very boisterous. Loved Christ, but didn't have a clue. He did have a clue eventually after this lesson. Satan said, let me sift him. Jesus, you think he's pretty cool? Let me sift him like wheat. I will see what he's made of separate the wheat from the chaff see what he's made of is he strong enough to do as he said he is and i know he's not and you know he's not and so jesus allowed him to eat the fruit of his pride and he fell into bitter sin remember he denied jesus three times that was the sifting but then jesus forgave him and brought him back three times he said to peter do you love me do you love me do you love me and peter was grieved but he did love him and he had a deeper sense of his relationship with Christ as a result of that horrific experience. You can't quit. I know the deacons have signed up for, what, a two-year commitment, right? Two years. It's a long time. Not that long. But you don't get to quit. You don't get to say, I'm tired. You know, I, I have a sore throat. I have a hangnail. I quit. No, you don't quit. You can't quit. I used to say that you don't quit until you bleed from the ears. It takes a lot to bleed from your ears, and even then, you don't quit. Uh, Deacons and elders don't have the luxury of their own comfort. It is a great job, but you don't have the luxury of pursuing your own comfort as the highest good. You don't quit, you serve the church because you love Christ. If you don't have a solid relationship with Him, you will not last. That's true of any Christian, but make sure the deacons and elders, if you don't have a solid relationship with him, a daily feeding of that relationship of persistence, you will not last. Remember why we're doing this work, and this is for the congregation too. Remember why the deacons are doing this work is because they love Christ and they have demonstrated. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 says, let them first be proven and then let them be assigned the role of deacons. They've been proven and they are proven as servants of Christ in his church. So just remember why you're doing this work. In your darkest days, and in the most difficult days, the congregation can observe and say, okay, uh, this man has been here, his wife has been here, and they're still doing the things they were doing at the beginning. They are faithful and consistent in delivering what is necessary for this body of Christ, and I love and I respect them for that. That's a blessing to these men. Let me close in prayer before we ordain them. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.